Thank you for listening to a sermon from the District Church. For more information about us, please visit www.thedistrict.church. Additionally, if any of our sermons have brought encouragement to you, would you please let us know by emailing us at info at Well, Merry Christmas, everyone. Good morning. How are we? Good. Like, as soon as I said that, the uh, heat turned on and I can't hear anything now. Well, what I want to do this morning is I want to read uh, some significant portions of Luke 1 and 2. Um, the reason why I wanted to do this was because this is the greatest news that we've ever received uh, in, in our entire history. This is the greatest news that we've ever received. This, this is revealing the heart of God. It's revealing the initiating love of God. It, it's revealing really just who God is and what God is about in sending his son Jesus into the world to redeem the world, not to condemn the world, but to redeem the world and to save the world. And so this news is good news for us. It's, it's, it's what we are to celebrate on a Christmas morning um, on, as we celebrate the birth of Jesus. And so what I want to do is I'm going to read through, again, some significant portions of Luke 1 and Luke 2, everything that kind of surrounds the telling of this child to be born, and then just share with you just a few observations from it um, as we close out our time together this morning. And so starting off in Luke 1, 26 uh, is where I'm going to be, and, and then I'll just kind of guide you along as, as I bounce around through some of these passages. Luke 1, 26 says, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and he said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Down to verse 39. In those days Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. 
verse 46. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humblest state of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. Down to verse 67. This is Zechariah's prophecy as well. And his father, referring to John the Baptist, Zechariah filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people, and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham, to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Luke 2, beginning in verse 1. And in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, 
The shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms, and he blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to his mother, to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Luke two thirty nine, And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. Father, Thank you so much for this good news that you have provided to us. Thank you that we have these recorded accounts of your word to be able to read and be reminded of all of the truth that you initiated, that you spoke, that you sent into this world in order to do the very things that this has promised, which is to redeem sinners to provide light for those who are in darkness, to rescue us from our enemies, our sin, ourselves, and to bring us into your family, to be adopted by you as a father. Lord, we thank you. And I pray that as we observe a little bit more of what was just read, I pray that it would pierce our hearts this morning and our minds and that it would stir us up a little bit more this Christmas than maybe last or the one before. That it would stir us up a little bit more to be able to see 
the truth of what we are celebrating today. Whether it's for the minds who have been believers now for more than 30, 40 years or for those who are just professing this type of faith and belief and truth in Jesus, I pray it stirs us up to worship this child who's been born, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who is also a man and is holy. May we worship Him and may we, as we leave from this place, treasure Him as the greatest gift we receive. For it's in His name we pray. Amen. Well, the New Testament, it affirms really three central truths about Jesus, about this child that is born. And those truths are that he is God, that he is man, and that he's holy. And that's really the three things that are coming together in what we celebrate at Christmas, is the fact that in Luke, again, 1, 32 and 35, it says that he is the son of the Most High, that he is the son of God. Matthew 1, 23 says that he is God with us. John describes him as the Word of God who became flesh, John 1.14. Think about that for a moment. God spoke His promise in words. And Jesus coming to be born as a child, coming to be flesh among us, is God's promise being delivered and fulfilled. The Word becoming flesh. Only God can fulfill what God promises. Only God can do what we need done in order for us to be redeemed, in order for us to be forgiven, in order for us to be, to be saved from our sins. All of these promises that this child is fulfilling and bringing to us. In addition, we see that he's also a man. The angel said to Mary, the one to be born will be called the Son of God. We know that he is to be born. Why didn't Jesus just come as a 33-year-old man? who is perfect and holy and goes and dies on a cross? Well, because he had to come in the form of a man. He had to go through every possible process that you and I go through in order to be human. And so he had to literally be impregnated as a miracle by the Holy Spirit into Virgin Mary in order for him to be knitted together in his mother's womb just as we are in order for him to fully represent us as man, us as humans, in order to be a substitute for us eventually. He had to be a man. And he had to be born as a man Christ was born as we are born, to live as we live in order to die a death that we deserved. He came to us and he stands with us to act for us. So only as God can he deliver what God has promised and only as man can he deliver what God has promised to us. The angel also announced that he is holy. The holy one to be born will be called the son of God. Here is something that has never been seen before or since. A man who is holy by nature. A man who is holy by nature. This man, Jesus, belongs in heaven by right. Because he is God. He is the Son of God. 
And yet he has the capacity to bring others there with him. The union of God and man in Jesus Christ, the Holy One, what it does for us is it opens a door of hope for us. That's what this whole message is providing for us on Christmas, is that there's an open door of hope for us. God opening a door from heaven to earth has provided for us an open door from earth to heaven. If God represents the light of heaven and man represents the darkness of earth, then Jesus being the God-man bridges the gap between the two. Because of sin, there was no door for us to get back. There was no door for us to reconcile ourselves to God. There, there was in, as Colossians 1 says, the domain of darkness, there was no exit. We're there and we're stuck. And there was no hope for us. No hope for us. Until God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. He so loved the world that he creates a door by bridging it via the God-man, Jesus Christ. By sending God to be a man to bridge the relationship between God and man. This is why Jesus himself says, I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. This is why he also refers to himself in other illustrations as the door or the gate. He is the only way. This, this miracle that is happening on Christmas is, is literally opening up the way, the door, the gate for us to be able to be reconciled to God. I love the way that uh, John Calvin states this beautifully. He puts it this way in his Institutes. In short, since neither as God alone could he feel death, nor as man alone could he overcome it, he coupled human nature with divine that to atone for sin he might submit the weakness of the one to death and that wrestling with death by the power of the other nature he might win victory for us. In other words, God alone cannot die. And man alone cannot live forever. Therefore, God had to send his son Jesus to unite the two in such a way that he remains God, but also becomes fully man who is able to die. But because he was fully God, in dying, he's able to also have victory over that death. I mean, this is the most foundational truth to what Christianity represents. Is that we are dying and we need life if we want to live eternally. And the only way that we can do that is by being in the eternal. In God himself. And the only way for us to get in God and be in God where life comes... God has to enter into man and become death itself. This is the start of the great exchange that we celebrate when we talk about our sins being removed and the righteousness of Jesus coming to us. We always focus on the fact that when we get saved, we're looking at the cross of Jesus and he's taking our sins and we're getting his righteousness. 
But that great exchange, that 2 Corinthians 5, uh, 21, does not happen without first the great exchange of God and man when it comes to God taking on the form of man in order for man to eventually take on the identity of the righteousness of God. It begins here. And this is why it's so, so important for us to not just always jump to the cross, but for us to start with the birth. To start with the birth. Because from the birth to the cross, He is exchanging everything for us. He's exchanging the fact that you and I are born sinners, yet He was born holy. You and I live a life of sin, yet He lived a life of holiness and righteousness. You and I deserve death, yet He deserves life eternal because of His righteousness. And He exchanges all of these things with us in order for us to stand before God and Him exchanging our identities for His. God now looks at us past, present, and future as born holy who lived holy, and who are now have the right to enter into heaven for eternity because of every single thing that Jesus Christ earned for us. We could not do it. We could not do it. If we could, they would have figured it out in the wilderness. They would have figured it out in the promised land. They would have figured it out once they got kings and once they got prophets. They would have figured all of it out if we could have done it on our own. But because we couldn't, all of those things were only testifying to one thing. And it was Jesus Christ, the child to be born, who would do it all for us. So that when he actually goes to that cross and he dies... He in the moment perishes so that we would not. He is able to say, it is done. It is finished. All the work that is necessary in order to grant salvation to sinners, it's done. He has performed every single work himself. And God is able to then, the wrath of God, that is able to look out over all sinners, past, present, and future, all sinners represented in the history of the world, God's wrath is able to look at them and say, for those who believe in Jesus Christ, they will not perish, but I will grant them everlasting life. I will give to them what He has paid on the cross. And I will forgive them because my wrath towards them is satisfied in Jesus alone. And that's why for God so loved the world. So loved the world that he gave his only son. He gave his only son. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That's the only way that works itself out is by Jesus doing all the work himself. All the work himself. We, we want to get into trying to figure out, well, what does it mean by whoever believes? Don't worry about that. What we worry about is the fact that Jesus Christ performed everything that we needed and we believe in him.
We trust him. We have faith and hope in the fact that he has accomplished everything that we can't accomplish ourselves. There's only one saint to believe in this Christmas season. And it's even the one the legend says, even jolly old Saint Nick speaks of himself. Now, we don't know a lot about Saint Nick, and I'm not going to spoil it for any in here in this room that might have an understanding of that. We don't know a lot about Saint Nicholas, but what we do know is he was a real and much revered person. According to legend, when Nicholas was a little boy, he would get up early to go to church and pray. And one morning, the aging priest had a vision that the first one to enter the church the next day should be the new bishop of Myra. And when Nicholas was the first to enter, the old priest, obeying the vision, or yeah, obeying the vision, made the young boy bishop right there on the spot. But before he considered Nicholas, the priest asked him a question. Who are you, my son? And according to tradition, the child whose legend would one day become Santa Claus, he replied, I'm Nicholas the sinner, but through Christ a saint. That's not bad for a little baby boy. <laughs> With what little we know about St. Nicholas, it's safe to say that he would probably not be pleased to know he's eclipsed Christ in some ways as Christmas is celebrated today. But for the Bishop of Myra, no doubt, knew the angel's words to Joseph. Mary will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. So this Christmas, give gifts if you like. We will in our family. Receive them with all thanksgiving. But do not forget what we need most. Salvation through the gift of Jesus Christ. This is the one gift the real St. Nicholas would not have overlooked. Believe in Jesus, the God-man, born 2,000 years ago, who was holy and so loved the world that he sacrificed himself so that, just, so that just as he came from heaven to earth, we might be able to come from earth to heaven. Let's pray together and then we will partake of communion. Father, I thank you so much for your son, Jesus. I thank you for your plan. Your plan from the very beginning. Nothing caught you off guard. Nothing garden you did not see. And you knew exactly what you were going to do the entire time. You knew that you were going to preach a gospel to the serpent in the garden telling them that there would come an offspring of the woman that would crush the head of the serpent. And in so doing, he would bruise his heel. We know that from there all the way, throughout the wisdom literatures, to the prophets of old, there has been over 450 promises of this good news, this gospel message, that there would come a Savior an appointed one, a Messiah who was Lord the Christ. 
And we get to look back at the fulfillment of that in Jesus being born to Mary and Joseph lying in a manger wrapped in swaddling cloths. We get to look at that moment and celebrate the initiating love of you. You were not a God who left us as we were, who was distant, unengaged, but rather you came to us as sinners. And you sent your son Jesus to be born of a man, to experience all of the pain and the strife and the turmoil and the suffering that we experience as humans. He suffered it. And when the fullness of his suffering took place at the cross, your wrath was satisfied. It was satisfied. And the wrath due our sin was paid in full. And because you were satisfied, you rose Jesus by the power of your spirit three days later to come sit at the right hand of your throne. And he is ruling and reigning for eternity. And for whoever believes in him, you are giving that same right to us. To have our sins be put to death and to be raised to walk in a new life, a new identity where you see us as sons and daughters in whom you are well pleased. God, thank you. Thank you for not leaving us as we were, even though it's what we deserved. You did not leave us there, but you came to us and you saved us. That is the greatest gift we could ever possibly receive on this earth. And it is in this gift, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Would you stand with me? As you stand, one of the ways that we celebrate always looking back at our sins being removed. I mean, again, this is the gift we receive. Is our sins being removed and righteousness granted to us. It, it would be like waking up in the morning and all you do have is coal in your stockings and presents. And Jesus comes in and takes that coal and those stockings away. And then brings you the greatest gift ever. And you get to open it up. Like that's what he's doing in removing our sins and giving us his righteousness. Because in his righteousness, there's no shame. There's no guilt. There's no pain. There, there's none of those things when we're resting in the righteousness that he grants to us that allows us to enter into relationship with our heavenly father. Who now has adopted us as we see in Romans 8. He's adopted us, and he hasn't just adopted us and kind of gave us a room and is like, all right, do your own thing. No, he delights in us. He delights in us. And so we celebrate that because of what his son was willing to do in removing our sins. We remember it, and we worship. We worship. And so I hope this is your, your first of many meals today that you might celebrate with family and friends. But let this be the meal that provides the most sustenance that you need. 
the one that has eternal implications for it. And so if you'll come on down and grab uh, the elements and make your way back to your seat, we will partake together.